Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we've got another round of WIP Plus disaster payments on the way. This is an extension of the previous 2019 and 2020 WIP Plus payments, and we have more WIP Plus funding on the way. We'll have that story to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The deadline for purchasing PRF insurance is fast approaching. And our current dry spell in the Texas High Plains seems to be making the case for area ranchers to buy into the program. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Higher cotton prices and yield potential keep producers optimistic during the harvest. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Fertilization of winter pasture should be based on soil test recommendations to maximize forage production and prevent applying more fertilizer than is needed. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The USDA Farm Service Agency has announced a third round of payments to producers who received benefits under the 2019 and 2020 WIP Plus program. This payment will constitute the final 10% of an eligible producer's calculated 2019 and 2020 crop WIP payment. Producers eligible for those payments have previously received two rounds of payments, equaling 50% and 40% of the calculated payment amount, respectively. At the time those payments were issued, FSA noted that it could issue a third round of payments if sufficient funds were available after the second round. There's also more WIP Plus funding on the way. South Texas Congressman Henry Cuellar says he worked closely with Panhandle Congressman Ronnie Jackson to get additional funding included in the recently passed continuing resolution. We had to do a CR continuing resolution, so we extended the WIP Plus funding uh, in the continuing resolution. Uh, so we certainly added uh, money there, you know, to help farmers or ranchers that were hit by a dis- natural disaster to get uh, much needed assistance uh, with this extension. And uh, this extension includes uh, 2020, 2021 crop years with a uh, $10 billion in funding. They also expanded the eligibility requirements to include more producers who have been affected by natural disasters. The state's largest farm organization is recognizing young men and women for their contributions to Texas agriculture. A handful of Texans are being recognized for their dedication to agriculture and their communities. 
The finalists in this year's Texas Farm Bureau's Excellence in Agriculture competition are Chase Brook of Anna, Jacob and Laura Henson of Lingleville, and Heston and Stevie McBride of Lampasas. The Excellence in Agriculture contest recognizes young men and women ages 18 to 35 who are involved in Texas agriculture but do not earn a majority of their income from a farm or a ranch. The winner of the competition will be named at the Texas Farm Bureau annual meeting December 3rd through the 5th in Corpus Christi. The winner will receive a UTV, a $5,000 cash prize, and will represent Texas agriculture in the national competition hosted by the American Farm Bureau Federation. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cotton harvest has now reached the halfway point in Texas. The latest Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report showing that 51% of the Texas cotton crop is now out of the field. Crop ratings continue to look excellent. We have 15% of the cotton crop rated excellent, 43% rated good, 37% fair, and only 5% of our cotton crop is rated in the poor to very poor categories. The deadline for purchasing PRF insurance is fast approaching, and James Hunt tells us the current dry spell on the Texas High Plains seems to be making the case for ranchers to buy into the program. With the dry spell our region has been suffering for about three months now, we've seen increased pressure on ranchers as they try to keep their animals fed. Therefore, it seems timely to talk about PRF, the Pasture, Rangeland, and Forage Insurance Program, or as some folks call it, Rainfall Insurance. Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez says PRF is designed to give livestock producers some protection from the ravages of drought. You pay a premium to ensure some percentage of average rainfall in a given two-month interval, and if rainfall that actually occurs is less than expected rainfall or whatever percent of expected rainfall you insured, then you receive an indemnity. So it's basically a normal insurance program. A normal insurance program, yes, but one that Dr. Benavidez is a big fan of. Me and some of my colleagues, we run a lot of different um, simulations and, and farm management estimates. And what we found is that in order to mitigate drought or the impact of drought, whether it's a risk management program on paper, you know, or a government program, or it's a management technique with your livestock, PRS seems to be the most effective strategy in terms of return on investment. And so what I mean by that is for every dollar you invest in a PRS plan, you typically get between 2 and $3 back. And so that's a pretty good return on investment in terms of mitigating risk in production. PRF is government-backed coverage you can buy from a crop insurance agent. The sign-up deadline is December 1st for those wanting PRF coverage for next year. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Higher cotton prices are keeping Texas cotton producers optimistic here during harvest. Tom Nicoletti has more. With cotton prices exceeding $1 per pound, farmers harvesting their Texas crop are moving forward to get their cotton out of the fields and into the gins as quickly and efficiently as possible. About half of all Texas cotton has already been harvested. Cody Besant is Plains Cotton Growers' chief executive officer. He says producers' optimistic outlook is fueled by the relatively high commodity prices and yield potential. 
Absolutely, especially with what cotton is available to price in the open market or sell at harvest time. Certainly, that's not the case for everybody as producers across the board typically try to market their crop in any type of format, whether it be grain or cotton or others, periodically across the growing season. So there was some cotton that was probably contracted or sold even prior to planting at lower price levels, but certainly at prices that are marginal to try to either break even or make profit when compared to cost of production. But certainly people are excited for what cotton is available to sell at that higher price range. And gins are certainly very excited from the volume standpoint to be able to receive the amount of production we'll have this year. That's certainly something we have seen that has lacked the last several years that has had a big impact on industry segments from the ginning sector to the warehousing sector and even from a merchant as well. So it's really a three-legged stool of all things happening and taking place today where producers are poised to have a really good crop year coupled with good prices. And that will have a large domino effect on industry segments that are directly impacted And then also from the economy, our local and regional economy will spur economic development because of good cropping seasons and people having the ability to expend more exposable income during that time frame. That is Cody Besant with Plains Cotton Growers in Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. With the price of fertilizer continuing to go up, it pays to do soil testing. Forage specialist Vanessa Olson says this can save big money when fertilizing winter pastures. One of our advantages in the cattle industry is the ability to grow and graze winter forage, cutting the need for stored forage and cutting supplemental feed costs. However, to get the most potential out of winter annuals, it takes fertilization. Nitrogen fertilization of overseeded small grain and ryegrass is usually split into three or four applications of 50 to 60 pounds of nitrogen per acre each. The initial nitrogen application should be delayed until after the small grain ryegrass is established and cool temperatures have reduced warm season grass growth. Additional nitrogen can be applied every six weeks. Two applications are often sufficient in central Texas with lower rainfall and heavier textured soils. Three or four applications are required on the sandy soils in east Texas because of low nutrient holding capacity and high rainfall. Nitrogen fertilization of overseeded ryegrass is usually split into two to three applications. The initial nitrogen application should be delayed until after the ryegrass is established to reduce nitrogen utilization by warm season grasses. Additional nitrogen can be applied in midwinter and early spring. Clover and ryegrass mixtures commonly receive only one nitrogen application to enhance ryegrass production after the first frost. Only 50 to 60 pounds of nitrogen should be applied in late December or early January. If additional nitrogen fertilizer is applied, the amount of nitrogen fixed from the atmosphere is decreased and competition from ryegrass and or weeds with the clover is increased. Phosphorus and potash fertilization for cool season forages should be based on soil test recommendations and can be applied at planting or after emergence. If more than 75 to 80 pounds per acre of potassium are needed in sandy soils in East Texas, it is recommended to split into an autumn and late winter application because of leaching. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson in Overton for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking Texans to keep an eye out for deceased rabbits in the wild. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And hookworms are very common in dogs, but they're becoming more resistant to deworming drugs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors, we are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Hookworms are very common in dogs all across the country, but Dr. Bob Judd says they're becoming more resistant to deworming drugs. Hookworms can be a real problem, especially in puppies. There are lots of deworming products approved to treat hookworms, but some of the worms have become resistant to multiple drugs, especially the -the over-the-counter drugs. We see this routinely at our practice as many breeders deworm puppies with a yellow liquid that is Pyrantel Pamoate. The breeders feel they are doing all that is necessary, but when the puppies are checked by vet, they still have hookworms. And again, hookworms can be deadly in puppies. We have routinely used Fenbendazole or Safeguard in puppies, and it has always been effective, but the article in the journal indicates resistance may be developing. Recently, vets have been using the dewormer Moxidectin for resistant hookworms, But now we are seeing resistance to even this drug, and that is a serious problem. The resistance is believed to have been started in the greyhound racing population, and hookworms shed hundreds of eggs in the environment. Resistance is very common in the southeast United States especially, and this is not surprising as the same class worm in livestock is also resistant to regular dewormers. The hookworm is a strongylid-type worm, and resistance of this class worms to dewormers has been a serious problem in the livestock industry for 20 years, and now is affecting canine parasites as well. The important thing to know is that resistance is possible, and if you get a new dog, always have a fecal analysis performed by your veterinarian, regardless of the previous deworming history, as we have seen puppies die that were dewormed with only over-the-counter medication. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking Texans to keep an eye out for dead rabbits in the wild. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking Texans, especially hunters, to report any deceased wild rabbits they may find to a local TPWD biologist. Last year, the department, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and the Texas Animal Health Commission confirmed the deaths of several rabbits due to rabbit hemorrhagic disease virus. RHDV is a highly contagious viral disease that affects both wild and domestic rabbits. It's almost always fatal to those who are infected, and it can spread easily by contact with an infected live rabbit, a deceased rabbit, or through infected equipment. 
the virus can survive on the landscape for more than 120 days and can withstand freezing temperatures making it particularly harmful to Texas rabbit populations. That's why the department is again asking hunters and others to be on the lookout for dead rabbits, especially in the Trans-Pecos and Panhandle, where RHDV was reported last year. If you come across any deceased rabbits in the wild, contact a local TPWD biologist. A list is available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website. RHDV is not known to affect humans, livestock, or pets other than rabbits. The department is urging hunters to keep their dogs away from rabbit carcasses as a precaution. Often the only symptom of the virus is sudden death in rabbits. Rabbit hunters are encouraged to clean rabbits in the area they were harvested in and discard non-consumed carcass parts in that same area to prevent the spread of the virus. Rabbit hunters should take standard protective measures like washing their hands after field dressing rabbits. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle market Wednesday, but a big jump in both corn and wheat prices. We'll take a closer look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a mixed trade in the cattle complex on Wednesday with live cattle trading mostly higher, feeder cattle mostly lower. On the live cattle trade, the December contract was down 20 cents at 132 even, while the deferred contracts were higher. February up 12, 136.82, the April up 7, 140.32. Feeder cattle, however, feeling the pressure from a big jump in the corn market. November feeders dropped $1.25, 156.65, January down $1.75, 158.05. March feeder cattle down $1.45 at $159.57. Cash-fed cattle market, we're seeing some light trade at midweek at $132 on a live basis. That's 3 bucks higher than last week's average price. We also had the online fed cattle exchange Wednesday. They sold 741 head of Texas cattle. They brought $131. Boxed beef prices lower Wednesday. The choice down nine cents at two eighty-seven seventy-one. Select down three eighteen at two sixty-seven forty-four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. So let's head over to Fredericksburg and talk to Wayne Geiswhite about the sale he had Wednesday. Wayne, how did it go? Ended up getting 1140 head. Cow markets, it was here steady. I had a lot of good big cows that bring the low to mid-60s with a few up into the low 70s. Bulls didn't have any really good bulls. Most bulls bring 80 to 90 cents. Uh, cow market, people are going to wonder why I'm not quoting them as high as last week. I'm going to still call it steady. But the reason is the cattle just didn't show themselves off as good as they have in the past. Uh, last week, uh, 
they were wet and the old hair just kind of laid down it didn't you know just didn't blossom out coated some three weights up you know up in the 220 25 area four weights up to 210 five weights up to 185 or 90 uh six weights up into the low 150s that weights kind of most of the seven weights bring 130 to 140 uh, heifer mates uh, probably a little bit more activity there three weights up in the mid 160s four weights in the mid 150s uh, they topped out the kind of 158, five weights into the low 140s, and six weights had a few bringing in the 30s, but most of them kind of 25 to 30. Well, satisfied with overall, but it's just one of those days that, you know, it's uh, first impression. Didn't look quite as good as they normally would. Wayne, what's happening this week? Well, we have a special winning sale. We've got some cattle already consigned. Sheep and goats? That'll be a little different. Uh, probably maybe 2500 if we're lucky. Tell everybody how to contact you, Wayne Gasswhite. 830-997-4394. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble, and I'll host you again tomorrow. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs closed higher. December was up 75 cents, 75.70. February hogs up 57, 79.32. Class 3 milk was slightly lower. November milk down 3, 1809, 100 weight. December milk down 7 at 18.04. The cotton market saw a slight pullback after that big run-up Tuesday following the USDA supply and demand report. The traders taking that report is bullish overall for the cotton market. Ran prices up almost to 120 on Tuesday. A bit of a pullback as we saw some profit taking on Wednesday. December cotton down 70 points, 118.68. March cotton down 14 at 115.05. The big news in Wednesday's trade was the big run-up in corn and wheat. The corn market shrugged off Tuesday's USDA supply and demand report. They showed a record corn yield in there and a high corn production, but that did not seem to matter. December corn was up 14 and a half Wednesday, closing at 569 and a quarter, while March corn was up 14 and a half, 578 and three quarters. The wheat market finally topped $8 in the hard and soft wheat market. Of course, we've seen spring wheat above 10 bucks for quite a while, but both hard and soft wheat have been toying with that $8 mark. Tight supplies continuing to support wheat prices. USDA reducing hard red winter wheat stocks on Tuesday by 12 million bushels. That just helped add fuel to the fire. July Kansas City wheat up 20 cents on Wednesday. 807 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up 21 and a quarter, 805 and a half. In the energy markets, December natural gas was down eight cents, 489. December crude oil down 298 at 8117 a barrel. The financial markets lower on Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 221 points, 36,098. The Nasdaq down 273 at 15,610. The S&P down 40 at 4,645. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.